This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. About Neil Gaiman's The Sandman, brought to you by the boys at Overdue, a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. I appreciate that you couldn't quite dial in on whether you wanted to be seepy or spooky, <laughs> like right there at the beginning. Well, and I think you settled on seepy. Sometimes when you're falling asleep, it gets mm-hmm. a little spooky. It does get, yeah, you do that thing where you like start. Yeah. Are you, you know? falling? Is someone yeah. attacking you? Yeah. What? What's the scariest thing you've ever seen right as you were falling asleep? Mine was an open closet that I swore a person was inside. It was terrifying. I'd have no memory of. It's usually just like falling. Like I'm just okay. I'm doing something and then I'm falling suddenly. Mm. That that feeling sucks. Anyway, Andrew, what are we here to do? But then on- you realize that you're not falling, and then you fall asleep. And that's cool. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Different type of falling. What are we here to do on this bespoke, uh, small batch, craft brewed series? We're reading through the trade paperback versions of the Sandman comics that were published in the late '80s and through the mid '90s by Neil Gaiman and a bunch of other people. And this week, we're this month, this this time period, it's different <laughs> depending on how you're listening to the show. Uh, we're reading uh, Dream Country, which is the third of 10 paperbacks, which collects together four issues. I think it's 17, 18, 19, and 20 of the original run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Volume three of the, th- we, we are reading the 30th anniversary edition collection mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is has been recolored since the original if it, i mentioned the issue numbers partly because uh if you are trying to find a way to read the sandman without paying for it uh you can i'm, I'm not gonna name i'm not gonna give you any drop any urls but you can find the original issues like collected on oh. various sites that exist mostly to serve ads so um <laughs> yeah 17 18 19 and 20 I don't think any of the creators get any of that ad money, but they probably those are not. the numbers. No, but like said. if if it's between paying like two hundred dollars to get the box set of this and not reading it, like sure, <laughs> I don't know. Give give some sketchy webmaster some money, or maybe oh, like no. go the go to the library or something. I don't know. I didn't. You're going to get through. visited in a dream. I think. Mm-hmm. Um. This was this one was first issued in paperback in 1991, later in hardback in 1995, um, and it is unique among the three issues we've read, the volumes we've read so far, Andrew, because mm-hmm. it's entirely standalone stories. Yes, yeah, little standalone stories. Um, and if you read the introduction to this, uh, the the 
edition that we're reading, Neil Gaiman talks a little bit about it. I don't remember if, he, if it's the introduction or his little outro. Like there are a couple of different oh yeah, there's uh, statements that get appended to these things. Yes. That if you're reading it for the first time, honestly, I would skip because they spoil a bunch of stuff. Um, but uh, he's just like, yeah, I did Doll's House. It was really ambitious and I was really tired and I just needed to take some time and reset and do some do some little ones. I did like that in this edition um in the back there is his like script for the first issue Calliope. Yeah, I got to pat pat out that page count. I think this is <laughs> this is the shortest one of the it 10 is. by a stretch. Yeah. It's not very much. Yeah. Um, but it's just kind of neat because you can just see how he words what he thinks should happen in the different panels. Mm-hmm. You get his dialogue. And yes, you also just kind of get some notes to his editors like, man, I just I don't know. You're probably going to have a bunch of notes and that's fine. But yeah. this is what I'm doing here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what are the we should let's do an overview. Andrew, actually. I wanted to just like let uh, everyone know in case they forgot like where the story left off because yeah, we're not going to deal yeah. with any of that today. We're not going we're not going <laughs> to deal with any of it today. There are like even in these like quote standalone stories there are still threads that are returning from other things yeah. and threads that will be back later. Um but yeah, so well we in the first in the first issue we read uh Dream was on a video game quest to get his Magic power ups back. How Dream got his groove back. Yeah, he got it. So he got it. He got his groove back. And then the second one, um, a girl is a dream vortex. Yeah. (laughs) Who is threatening to erode the boundaries between everyone's dreams in the whole world and drive everybody mad. Yes. With dreaming each other's dreams. Yes. And every, you know, every once in a while, one of these people comes up. They got to be stopped. This girl, Rose Walker, was special because she was born of a woman who had been like asleep when For Dream decades. got captured in the yeah. first book. And also, um, it was uh, Dream's uh, sibling, what, Desire, who was yes. like, messing, messing with him. Well, and Desire sired her yes get it sure yes uh and so i see what you did there. yeah i also have a note here that uh dream had to take care of some gabagools who were causing trouble <laughs> uh yeah it's the old cereal convention yeah so mm. well some... why were they gabagools are they italian mostly do we think no i just like it just what my brain spit out just because okay, they were all because sure. some of them were ghouls from the yeah dreaming. they were pretty they're pretty ghoulish yeah mm-hmm. um so he had to take care of some stuff and then yeah the big the vortex thing and none of that is in Corinthian this. yeah no that's all that's all done and dusted if you liked the one part in the doll's house where dream met up with a guy in a bar every hundred years mm-hmm that's what you're getting in this collection. You're yeah, getting that, that was like a little yeah. uh, little inner inner mezzo in in that in the doll's house. <laughs> yeah, it was. And then this this one is oops all intermezzo. <laughs> <laughs> what if they just made the show out of all the commercials? Mm-hmm. Um, no, this is not like that. This is good. It's not just commercials. Um, but <laughs> it's not the, just commercials. No, it's not just commercials. <laughs> Dream does say at one point how much he loves the. 
the lemon lime taste of an ice cold Mountain Dew at one point, which is a little weird, <laughs> but little it's weird. not. But most of it's not advertisements. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so the four stories are Calliope, a dream of a thousand cats, a Midsummer Night's Dream, and Facade. Mm-hmm. Um, and the you know the artist team is largely the same. Um, Kelly Jones was like the penciler for Calliope and Dream of a Thousand Cats. Uh, Charles Vess did the pencils for Midsummer Night's Dream. I don't remember if those inks had changed or not for this edition, so that's why I'm mostly focusing on the on the like illustrate the uh, illustration is not the right word. The pencils, the look, yeah, the, the lines, lines. Yeah. the lines. Um, I think the recolor touched everything. It's just a question of. How which panels individually look way different from which okay. other panels? Like, and and I haven't done a side by side compare. I think it's mostly evident in like crowd scenes or anything where there's like a background that's sort of faded or where there's like weird light. I think that's where the recolor touches stuff the most. Sure. But um, again, I think we mentioned this at the top. Like, if if you're reading this for the first time or if you haven't read it in a long time, I don't think you're gonna mostly notice. I have no idea. Yeah, I just I want to where where possible i want to give credit to the artists just because like that i'm often guilty of that for graphic novels and in such one of the things you told me about coming into sandman was kind of it's neat how the art is different depending on who's working on it and, yeah. and the mm-hmm. type of story that it is um and then colleen doran did the the pencils for facade um but Vess is the guy that I'll wind up talking about later because that Midsummer Night's Dream one looks just so distinct. Yeah. Um, vibe wise. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk a lot. Of, well, you'll talk a lot about that because mostly that one. I just want to pick your specific brain. Sure. On. That I mean, what what I was I had never heard of that uh, that uh, it's the only comic book story ever to win the world fantasy award for best short fiction apparently huh okay so because i feel like if you're not intimately familiar with shakespeare you might just kind of gloss your eyes might kind of slide over that one yeah that might be one of those like you know the the academy loves movies about making movies like storytellers sure. like stories about telling stories kind of and thing. there are several there are several of those in here like that's a lot of what about, this is let's let's talk about Doll's house and Neil Gaiman being tired. This first Calliope opens with a, a <laughs> white male author being like, "I, I wrote one thing and everybody liked it, but Mamma Mia, I don't know how to write any words anymore. I can't, I can't do my second book." You're right. I hadn't, I hadn't internalized the fact that Calliope about Richard Maddock. Not, I don't know. I stare at Maddock and I think about Bernie Madoff, but it's somebody else. Um, mm-hmm. Richard Maddock. Uh, yeah, he's a talented writer who's out of no. ideas. There's a touch of that that Stephen King book that we were, I think, Bag of Bones. Oh, where Bag the whole of Bones. First third of it was like, man, editors, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he just simply cannot write anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, he's supposed to write another one, but he can't. He's got and writer's block. So he has struck a deal with another writer, Erasmus mm-hmm. Fry. Uh huh. Uh, to get a little juice, to get the creative juices flowing. Yeah, and so he, uh, Erasmus Fry, for like 60 years, has had this woman, Calliope, who's one of the muses, like the youngest yep. of seven muses, I think. Yep. 
Um, Literal, little, the immortal yeah. muses of Greek mythology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, we, and we can talk a little bit about like the the Greek the relationship with Greek mythology and how like we've already been a literal hell to hang out with <laughs> Lucifer, <laughs> so we could talk about how all these like mythologies interlock and bounce off each other. But um, but yeah, Calliope's been up there. He captured her like lawfully according to you know <laughs> such such laws as there are, but uh, not justly as we are told. Yeah, and in exchange for a clump of hair. Erasmus Fry has handed Calliope's uh, reigns, prison, whatever you want to call it, off to off to Richard Maddock. Yeah. Who then suddenly is amazing at writing. He's so good at it. He's so good at writing. I got to say, the titles of all the fictional works in this are like the highfalutin Star Trek, the original series episode titles. Like, it's just <laughs> maybe if you want maybe come up with something punchier. Yeah, here comes a candle. Like, oh yeah, I'm nuts. I'm I'm excited to read that. <laughs> um, but he's so good at it, and everybody loves it. Yeah, everybody. Um, he's a famous. This is maybe the most like late '80s thing about this is like how what a big cele- big cool hot celebrity this writer guy. Is. I do. There is the there's the bit where like his stuff starts getting adapted into movies. Mm-hmm. And he's just the most successful man. And he's like, well, I got to direct. Got to gotta be in the pictures. Got to mm-hmm. direct. I got to be in the pictures. Um, of course, like, they're, these men don't just, like, keep her in a closet. They do. <sighs> they do sexually assault her. Yeah. And it sucks. It's bad. There's a, the um, TV show did uh, I don't I forget if it was two episodes or just one episode but it like after the main season dropped and then so the main season is an adaptation of the first collection and then Doll's House. Oh okay. Uh, there was like a another episode that dropped a couple months after that adapted Calliope and Dream of a Thousand Cats. Huh. And that story makes Richard Maddock a little more like it softens him a little it makes him a little more of like a mediocre man instead mm. of a monster like he keeps like continually promising to release her and then just never doing it because oh he just need, you know he just needs here. one more yeah. he just yeah. needs one more you know one more one word story one more big hit and then i'll be out yeah he um, doesn't he does not really do that in no this. he fully he fully blows in this he sucks <laughs> it's he sucks and blows yeah so he's a big rich 80s guy author guy big 80s guy a big, huge 80s guy. <laughs> His only regret is that he had bone <laughs> Uh And she, Calliope, appeals to some supernatural sisters that we've met before. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the weird sisters, the Hecate sisters. Um, and they help her contact Dream... And it's is it implied that Calliope and Dream have already have like burned a girl? Um, I mean, so on. Or is it more than implied? It's uh, so Calliope has born a son to Dream. Oh, okay, <laughs> more than implied. Okay, great. Uh, the Dream King and Calliope were close long ago for a short while, says one mm. of them. Okay, not for long. And remember, sister self, they did not part on the best of terms. So just tuck that away in your little brain. Keep, file wherever you keep stuff that you'll need to remember to talk about later <laughs> okay mm-hmm. i do like the bit where she is 
asking if they can help her or what like what type of creature can help her and the weird sisters are like yeah there's a few old powers left you know many of them have died um, or they're doing others they have like, they're doing other stuff now <laughs> yeah um but the endless are still here um but even they are having a difficult time of late quote Still, every little bit helps, as the old woman said when she pissed in the sea. <laughs> that's a good. That's, that's a good, a good one. one. That's, that's a, a good, good one. one. So it's, I kind of like how mythology and religion work in this. Book oh yeah, because they are, and we'll we'll do. There's a little. There's more like Greek stuff that we'll do later, and then there's more stuff with like Lucifer later. It's all. It all seems like that other entities exist is kind of a reflection of human. They're kind of created by humanity rather than yes. Creating. I mean, it's, it's, the lines are super fuzzy throughout, but they're definitely, it's, it's definitely strongly implied here. Like, Oh, you know, it's the go, go eighties. Nobody's really worshiping Zeus anymore. It, yeah, it's sort of, you know, Santa Claus is weaker because people don't have the spirit of Christmas anymore. Right, yes. Just like in the hit uh, Disney Plus television show, The <laughs> the Clauses. <laughs> but also, um, I, I don't remember how that tracks to the facade story because that we get a bit on the sun god Ra. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, it, that kind of implies that there are other... That Ra is just like our sun god. Like well, there's there, other there's, suns. It's kind of it's mentioned. Yeah, it's it's. Well, we can get to that when we get to but that. But yeah, it's it's mentioned in there too a little bit. Yeah. Um. But no, they put her in touch. Well, they they put the call out to Dream. Um. And then Dream shows up, and is like it's not 100 clear like whether they directly contact him or not because yeah. they're always very dodgy about like being. Yes. Directly Good involved call. in Good things call. or like helping anybody. <laughs> or if but when Dream gets out of his prison, because she is originally captured while he is imprisoned and, and mm. so he can't come. They Good tell point. him, you know, he's he's imprisoned. He can't he couldn't come even if he wanted to. Good point. Good point. I, I really like how Calliope initially is like, Oh man, anybody but my ex. And then at the end she's like, <laughs> Fine, even even he even him would be good. I just want to get out of here, please. Yeah. Um and so he shows up and is like, hey, you're a terrible 80s guy. You're disgusting. Um, and you, you're what? You, you're not going to let her free because you need ideas? And he says, why don't you have all the ideas you want, bub? Yeah, I'll give you ideas. It just became a Twilight Zone episode in yes, here. Yes, <laughs> it's great. It's great. And he just kind of loses it. Um, he's like, Do you just on- want to read a few ideas? Do you have it open to the, oh to the page? Uh, just hit me when the when the font gets all jaggedy. Oh, let me find. Well, cause, okay, the, like the beginning of it, he's like trying to buy a a paper on the street. Trying to buy a paper, mm-hmm. and he's just like rambling. Mm-hmm. And he starts saying, "The fraternity of critics in reality, a dark brethren linked by profane rites and blood vows to destroy an author. They sacrifice a child and perform a critical mass." 
A city in which the streets are paved with time. A train full of silent women plowing forever through the twilight. Heads made of light. A small piece of blue cardboard. A plum, sweet and tart and cold. A were goldfish who transforms into a wolf at full moon. <laughs> Two old women taking a weasel on holiday. Griffins shouldn't marry. Vampires don't dance. A man who inherits a library card to the library in Alexandria. A rosebush, a nightingale, a black rubber dog collar. He's just going out of control. I like the, the the blending of sort of higher concept ideas and then like what if a what if a goldfish turned into a wolf? What would that be like? <laughs> I kinda would probably read that book. Yeah, I, I kinda like the way that it's rendered in this um you know, this kind of monkey paw esque thing of, oh, you want ideas here, have them all. Like you would just be unable to sift through any of them yeah it's just full white noise of uh just signals firing mm-hmm. boundless boundless creativity being a, a bad thing or or maybe yeah. it's not even it's not that it's creativity it's just notions and it's things. just yeah it's just every single thought that you could possibly have yeah we we've seen before dreams into that old testament stuff like the the son of the guy who captured him. Yes. He's like, man, you want Forever to imprison waking. me. I'm going to imprison you in your dreams, baby. Yes. Bye. <laughs> well, and this is like an interesting, um, the, the Shakespeare stuff is really tied into how the dream, how, how dreams, how dream himself, how the dreaming can like spawn creativity. And this is like the dark side of that. Like yeah. this is like the dreaming can just unleash like hellish, yeah, uh, you know, creative thoughts in your brain, and it gets pretty grotesque. Like it he does. He's does he's, not. He does not have a pen and paper with him, so no. he does write with his fingers on the concrete. It's and bad. It goes bad for his fingers. <laughs> yeah, it really does. And uh, but uh, Calliope's free, and she mentions the dream. Like, hey, you you seem different. Yep. Yeah, you know, you used to not really be into the whole forgiveness or like helping people. <laughs> she says what she says. Do you hate me for what I did? Do we know what that is at this point? I'm not, I don't we don't know much about their relationship other than that a son was born of it. OK. And that it happened. OK. At this point. Yeah. OK, cool. Um, And then it just kind of ends with. Uh, Richard having no ideas. It's gone. I've got no idea anymore. No mm-hmm. idea at all. Uh huh. I like it. This yeah. f- this felt the most, and and by the fact that you are pointing out a bunch of potential connections to other stuff in the series of the four that we're going to talk about, this felt the most, for lack of a better word, in universe to me. In terms yeah, of like. There's a yeah. there's a there's a crappy guy who Dream has to deal with. Uh-huh. Um there is you know Calliope is you know a mythic character. There there's someone who needs saving. Um Dream unleashes Dream powers to teach someone a lesson. Um the next 3, well the next 2 in particular are a little more fanciful. Mm-hmm. And then the last one doesn't even have Dream at all. So th- this yeah. is the one that feels most like just the world of the Sandman. Yeah, th- there are elements of the of the next two or three that 
come that come back yeah. kind of kind of but this this one is the one of the four that you need need to read for purposes of understanding like the long arc story sure. and yeah. and makes sense that it would be the first in this collection of four yeah then. and even then you like you don't need you don't need to no um you don't need to read this to to get everything that's happening it is just dropping some breadcrumbs of things yeah 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 so the next one a dream of a thousand cats na 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 yeah na 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 this one gets a lot of mileage of uh taking cute kitty things like cute little little fuzzy kitties do and imbuing them with a sense of like purpose and uh-huh. and ancientness. There's a cat. I'm not Ooh. saying it's unsuccessful in oh, that. No. I'm just saying like a lot of it is is <laughs> getting mileage out of the disconnect between whittle whittle fuzzy kitties and the subject matter. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. What if cats could what if other creatures could dream? I think we've have we seen a dog's dream yet? That I don't has think we've ha- seen a no, I don't think we've seen a dog's dream. Doesn't he travel through a dog when he's when he's traveling? Through yeah, but we don't we don't like see, we don't see the dream of. No, dog. no, no, no. That's fair enough. But but like we don't see we don't see dog dream. We <laughs> like don't, we get to see kitty dream, and we this do one. get to see the kitty dream, mm-hmm. and the 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 kind of reveal is that other creatures could have a you know a more st- maybe they do another versions of reality have a more substantial claim to the dreaming as we understand it than humans do mm-hmm. which heretofore has felt like it's like it's not like all the people all the demons in hell dream and he has to deal with that it's mostly the dreaming is like a reflection of all the human dreams as yeah, we've mostly. seen it yeah and, we, and we've we've seen his dream kind of shift his aspect a little bit in response to whoever we is have. dreaming like we we saw him uh, appear as like a black man to a, a predominantly black society yep. in the last volume, and so here he's kitty dream. He's a little kitty. We, he's a because kid. it's little kitty, little cutie kitties that are dreaming. Yes, yes. I like the opening year where it's a a society of cats. One little cat come, goes out of his house. What is it? Okay, I'm, you keep going. I'm gonna Google what the name for a group of cats is. Great. Um. One will cat comes outside. It's like everybody's like, "Yo, she's coming to town," and a, clou- a clouder. No, a made clouder up. of cats. Made three up. or more. Three or more cats make up a clouder. Meow. That's a mess. <laughs> uh, and kind of this- a clouder is a group of cats. Change my mind. <laughs> that's a that's a deep cut. This For those of you who are too online, like five or six years ago, um, there's just this kind of whisper network of cats who are like, "Well, we got to go see the 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 lady tonight. She's in Don't town." You, do you mean a whisker network? Wow! <laughs> Keep them coming. Um, Meow. And so they go to this. I think they go to this cemetery where all the cats in town show up. Yeah, whole clouder. And there's this Siamese cat standing on top of a statue of an angel. Uh Uh-huh. And she's like, hey, I have a story to tell you. Okay. Um, And 
there was this other cat. What does she say? Like, didn't humans she's, kill she's, her lover? She's the she's the cat. The cat telling the story is the, is the cat, and so, she's like, yes, I had a. I I made love with another cat who I never saw again. This is this is one of the one of the um it's a little bit assigning human characteristics to to cats and a little bit imbuing meaning upon yeah. the normal stuff that little kitties do. But uh she has kittens and her owners don't want the kittens because she is a fancy Siamese kitty and these little like mutt kitties aren't worth nothing. And so the guy like takes them and puts them in a sack and throws them in the river. And that is what shatters her. That's what uh, radicalizes the Siamese cat in the mm-hmm. story. <laughs> That's true. Uh-huh. And so she, you know, falling asleep is like praying and dreaming. Prayed to the king of cats, the kind emissary on earth, he who walks amongst us and we do not know him. I prayed and I dreamed and she finds herself in like a cat version of the dreaming. Mm-hmm. That's the world of bones. And there's a vulture who I guess is Matthew, right? I'm not sure Maybe? if it's Matthew. There's like there are crows before Matthew, so I'm not sure if it's okay. Matthew or if it's one of them. But it's it's the dreams crow, whoever that might be. Yeah. Okay. At this time, yeah. Um, and she's walking through the desert of bones, and. Uh, he's like, well, I can lead you to someone that you can talk to. And there's like a griffin and a dragon. I'm just like kind of trying to remind myself what happens in this. I, and the art is just rocking my mind. I don't remember how, like we've been to the dreaming a few times, but like the griffin and dragon and um, uh, there's one other one that I'm okay to remember. Is that like a point. recurring these, thing? These three like guardians are the 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 creatures who guard the gate to the dreams castle. Basically. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, and in this cave is a big black kitty. It's a big, big pretty kitty who definitely ha- talks in the same font as Morpheus as we yeah, know, him. which is how we know he know we know as him, even yes. though he's a little fuzzy kitty. And our Siamese cat is like, Hey, I'm real sad. And I don't like the world that I live in. And Dream is like, let me tell you something. That's not how the world used to be. (laughs) And we get this like little backstory of like prehistoric cats that were huge Mm -hmm. and little prehistoric people who were real tiny. Yeah. And the cats hunted the people. And people didn't like it. Yeah. And we're all hearing like we're hearing this from Dream from the Siamese cat. Yes. From the perspective of a little kitten. So we're getting at like third paw, I guess, mm. at this point. <laughs> a round of applause for you on that one. Thank you. Thank um, you. And so this like we hear about this human who rose up and is like, I had a dream about a world where we were no longer subservient to cats. And he spreads his message and all the people... All the humans have a dream together, and their dream is so strong that reality changes. Yeah, the universe changes. It doesn't. It doesn't just change things. It changes how things always were. Yeah, which is cool. I like that mm-hmm. wrinkle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Morpheus is like, "Hey, 
You got. You could do you, it. Maybe. You I hear don't me? That's how things work. And so or are then, they? Who knows? Well, yeah. Does it work? Who knows? But uh, that's how I said that it did. Um, and so this Siamese cat is going around the world telling any cat who will listen that we just need to dream about throwing off the yoke of our human masters mm-hmm. and changing the universe back to the way it once was. Mm-hmm. And the little kitty is like, "Do you think it's mm-hmm. true?" Little kitty's, little kitty's like, yeah, I believe it. The other cats and then, don't. And then, the, yeah, the whole thing ends. Uh, there's this bigger cat that says, little one, I would like to see anyone, prophet, king, or god, persuade a thousand cats to do anything at the same time. So it kind of ends with like a wham, <laughs> wham. Like, <laughs> well, and then it's, cats, cats yeah. am I right? And, and, like, <laughs> and like, there's a shot from the human's perspective of this like little cute kitty dreaming. And they're like, oh, it's probably just being a stupid cat. It's probably is so cute. It's a cute little kitty. And that, and, yeah, yeah, that that panel where the one cat poo-poos the kitty is like, I don't know if that's supposed to just be about like the nature of cats as these kind of aloof, solitary beings. If it's supposed to be about like the power of a collective dream at all it's yeah, yeah it's probably, i think it's, it's, a, it's neither a, or you know. it's a little bit joke about how like hurting cats and yes. a little bit commentary on the way that like belief works yeah yeah and how we do like i don't know like money take money for instance uh-huh here's a, here's a thing that exists because we all say it does yeah and it's always existed because we all say that it has uh-huh that's how it works what if we had a different dream? What if we had a different eh, Seems hard. <laughs> Imagine there's... Imagine there's a kitty. <laughs> it's easy if you try. Yeah. Um, so that one's fun. I, I enjoyed that one. You know, it's a little parable-y. Um, yeah. But some opportunities for some fun art. Um, so hit me with your thoughts on A Midsummer Night's Dream... Written by Neil Gaiman with text from William Shakespeare, <laughs> which <laughs> points out. I mean, so we so we met in the I think in the Hobgadling book, which is the yeah. one where Dream hangs out with the guy in the bar every hundred years. Yeah, correct. Uh, we do briefly meet William Shakespeare. Yeah, and Dream is like, "Hey, you, so you want to write, huh?" To William Shakespeare, like as a as a little, like little side thing. Uh, hey, you want to write, huh? And then William Shakespeare's like, "Yeah, I want to write." And so now we are we are past that. We are just with a little like Station Eleven roving band of the way of <laughs> of artists. Uh, yes, the way Shakespeare actually lived was a yeah, reference like in to the Station show, Eleven, like, like in the sh- show, and I guess probably the book Station Eleven. <laughs> He's just wandering around with a bunch of a bunch of actors, which sounds miserable. Yeah, well. <laughs> they have to leave the city because of the plague. I'm really Andrew, you know sorry, how it works. everybody. <laughs> yeah, no, I did. I did really. It, it hits in 2023, being like, "Yeah, we gotta wander the countryside for a while until this COVID wave goes away, yeah. and we can go back to the cities and actually earn some money from people for real." Uh, but they're wandering around the countryside. William Shakespeare has this hot new play that's that he just dropped. Yep, uh, his son Hamnet's there. Talked about that guy in some other episodes of the podcast. Yep. Uh, and then Dream is there also. Well, yeah, he's like, "Hey, we have to we have to go over on this hill 
there's a guy who wants us to do the play here in mm-hmm. the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And Dream, yeah, Dream is there. He's like, yeah, you're going to do it for me. Yeah. Shut up, Richard Burbage. <laughs> <laughs> is Richard Burbage a guy? Yeah, real guy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and like, I don't, I don't know the like Hamnet traveling around with him thing is probably that's you know i think that's just an invention it's very there's, moving there's a lot of um like don't they mention uh the sister to hamnet's sister yes. shakespeare's daughter yes. who is mm-hmm. who we don't know if she actually existed yeah but that's all you know we, you can go listen to our hamnet episode for for some of that conversation yeah you can listen well. to our hamnet episode but yeah. i think the the as with a lot of stories that have shakespeare in them i think gaiman is He's having some fun. Play, playing in the space between what we know and what we don't know and what we don't we're not sure that we know. Yes. To in, invent a life for for old Will. Billy Billy Shakes. Yeah. And and for the purpose of this story I think it is important to have Hamnet there like it's clearly like Gaiman is putting Hamnet there to show us what Will will be like kind of giving up by pursuing being William Shakespeare, yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I, so the art by Charles Vest. This is like, what is that Saturday morning? Is it Prince Valiant? Have we the like the Saturday morning cartoon that just looks like it's four hundred years old? There's on a purpose. yeah. There's there's a little bit of that, and then I also want you like so he's so Dream is like yeah here here I want you to set up here. All right, cool, do it, and then Dream goes to like welcome in the audience for this play yeah and are you looking at this page right now like out from this door walks the most like old school final fantasy box art <laughs> lookingest collection of yes. like creatures and beings it's wonderful mm-hmm. it's glorious uh <laughs> yes very you're totally right it is the like concept art for the espers from Final yeah. Fantasy VI, <laughs> have strolled out of you know greenery, mm-hmm. um, Titania and Oberon, and so what you come to learn is that uh, Dream has invited the members of the Fairy Realm to Earth to witness a production of a play about them, sort of. About them, sort of. I. Which- <laughs> I just like dream you know, be going to the fairy realm and being like, hey, you got to see this. This is sick. Like, <laughs> do, do you think dream goes into the fairy realm? He's like, man, I got this movie. It's called Avatar 2. <laughs> and you got to come watch it. It's sick. I, well, no. This guy, James Cameron, I he totally sold his soul to me. I'm helping him make nonstop <laughs> hits for his whole life. I don't think he goes to the fair realm. At that point, he goes to the actual Navi, and he's like, let's check out what I made James Cameron do. <laughs> and they're like, this isn't quite what we've experienced. And he's like, mm-hmm. ah, but, but it's dreams pretty, and in an, stories in are way. half-truths. Yeah, are, and in another <laughs> way, it is kind of true, isn't it? Mm, makes you think. <laughs> so, you know, it, it is this, like, menagerie of demons and fairies and Final Fantasy characters who are all going to sit on this hill and watch this play. I I think I have said on air before, I am not the biggest Midsummer Night's Dream fan. Yeah, you're constantly talking about it. I 
I like the parts of I like parts of it. I find other parts of it like fine. More like a mid bummer night's dream. You're always saying. I, uh, that I was a direct al- quote. Always you're right, actually. I mm-hmm. have always yeah. said that. I, yeah. I you just dreamed it and now I've always just, said Shakespeare it. really puts the mid in Midsummer Night's Dream. <laughs> <laughs> you're always you're always saying to me. <laughs> but yeah, I, the the reason I just kind of slide over this one like there, there's a lot of neat art. I like the a lot art of the rules. I like a lot of the creatures. Yes, uh, the you do are great. deal with people from the fairy realm later on, so it's good to, you know, get to touch base with them in that sense. Yep. Um, I think I would get way, way more, like a million times more out of this if I had literally any, like whether I liked it or not, if I had literally any familiar with familiarity with the source material, which I don't. Yeah. So the, like, I don't even know that I've read Midsummer Night's Dream in the way that I've read Hamlet or, or the Scottish one or whatever. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. The, the main thing that is cool to me about how this works in, in structure is it's you know and if, if it were any longer if it were not a kind of slight and efficient graphic novel or, or comic story i don't think that this would sustain this device but like one of the things in midsummer night's dream is that in the last act the royals that have been the focus of much of the play uh watch a crappy play being put on by you know bottom and the rest of the goofy guys Mm -hmm. um and there's lots of fun to be had and lots of jokes and japes where the royals kind of like turn to each other or turn to the audience and are like these guys (laughs) um and so and that is like usually what is most memorable for for a lot of people of midsummer and so the parts in this where like the actual fairies peas blossom and the other like characters who get referenced in the play who are sitting here watching it being like well, i wouldn't do that that's not that's, how it happened that's not how it happened like that stuff <laughs> is always fun there's a reason it worked for shakespeare the reason it works now there's a reason it works at the end of peewee's big adventure where they watch the movie version that they make out of it uh-huh yes exactly <laughs> um so th- that part is really fun. It's inventive. Like Sometimes that it must be hard to listen to this podcast and be under the age of 35. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Um, but that's also when the art gets to be its most like inventive, too. So like mm-hmm. that's when we get these kind of goblin-y characters and this little creature with a goat horse head and... Um, like Oh, I guess it's like a donkey head. But... Um, all that, all that stuff is just really neat as an echo of the play itself, um, and the Titania Oberon stuff with Dream is is kind of neat because like that's a, a little bit more of what you were saying about the last about the first story, Andrew, where it's like the world of fairies has kind of receded from Earth, mm-hmm. and Dream is like. I want this guy to write a play about you, not necessarily because he's going to get it right, quote unquote, but because I think y'all should be remembered in yeah. some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because even even at the at the end, Oberon is like, th- th- thanks, thanks for this. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we're going to be coming back. Yep. You can here. come visit us, though. Yeah, no, you can come see us anytime you want. But I, this, this was. But thanks so much for this 
cool play. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and he seems to have a little bit of regret around, like, what he's giving Shakespeare. He says something to the effect of, like, uh, I'm giving him what he wants, but when what people, he thinks he wants, yeah, what people when people get what they want, they get what they once wanted, um, and a kind of a recognition that that is always a, a changing thing about you. Yeah. And this is also um, so Dream is given William Shakespeare cool writing powers, but in exchange, he's asked for two plays. He's asked yes. for this one, like he he's asked for this one, and then he wants the last one. He wants the Tempest. He wants yes. I think but, I think uh, he's gonna want the Tempest because that's the one about like giving up your powers to create and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so um, yeah. And then, yeah, it's just neat. I I like when Puck, the the Puck, the Robin Goodfellow, Robin Goodfellow. Yeah, he is like actually like a scary demon man. I kind of mm-hmm. like his art a lot. Um, and midway through the play, he's like, I'm just gonna be me. Like I'm just gonna what I don't know what he like stuffs the actor in a bag or whatever he does, but <laughs> he's like I'm just gonna be me, and he's a fairy. He knows all the words. He can do whatever he wants, mm-hmm. and he doesn't cause much more mischief than that. It's just he wants to be a part of it. Um, no, it's just it's just everybody's like, whoa, that guy that character got really good all of yeah. a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and the art of him doing the final monologue and like leaving is really cool like him disappearing into like fading into is, black is yeah really mm-hmm. cool. sure um, and then it was all a dream just like just like parts of the shakespeare play are mm-hmm. um i think i i think this this has filled me with a reverence for that play that i don't have usually yeah <laughs> i think um which is not again i i don't know that i even have a good argument for why i don't love that play you're just like sometimes you're just allowed to not not things don't have to be all your favorite thing not everything can be your favorite thing it's okay act five is pretty good yeah but um (laughs) the last one yeah the last so the last one is i did not know that it was this is dipping back into the DC universe for some reason it Uh, is element element girl one of the lesser DC very universe characters very lesser i i like i think so this this uh final volume is is final issue is called facade um and yeah element girl like appeared in the comic metamorpho <laughs> love that one 1967 was her first appearance and have i don't think pi- have you seen a picture of metamorpho yeah he's uh, look, look at this guy <laughs> He's really something. Metamorpho. Yeah. (laughs) He's a real guy. Yeah. Um, And they got, the two of them got their powers from Ra. Ra, the sun god. In in Egypt. Except in this one, Neil Gaiman's given it a real twist because uh, Element Girl is miserable and wants to die. (laughs) Yeah. Which is the most Sandman (laughs) twist on a DC Universe character. Yeah, yeah. She, she, you've got to imagine like Gaiman and Karen Berger going to the archivist at DC and being like, "What is? What's a couple that you don't care about?" <laughs> <laughs> well, because then they have since like given her appearances or versions of her appearances. I'm sure. Yeah, like there's just so there's so much content. There's so much content that of course she's come back at some point. Yeah. Um, more recently um 
but so yeah she is a she's a sad lady because she is sort of immortal um she is cursed with this ability to morph her body into any element that is in the human body but she also she's not like a shapeshifter because she's like man i tried to make myself a skin suit once and it was stinky because it was rotten meat yep is bad uh she can make she can make these like artificial faces mm-hmm. that only last for a little bit of time and then she puts them down because they fall off and she uses them as ashtrays. Uh <laughs> and she doesn't go anywhere. She just kind of lives in her apartment. Um the company quote I Shield, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, whoever it is who did where Metamorpho works. <laughs> um, they're they're supposed to take care of her, and she's having trouble reaching them. And uh, the like arc is that she, a friend of hers, reaches out for coffee. She's gonna have a baby. She wants to see her friend, and uh, Rainy uh, Element Girl decides to go meet her, and it doesn't go great. No, her face falls falls off into her pasta. Yeah, and this is also after the woman has expressed some kind of heinous, like "What if my kid is a freak?" views, which are yeah, not perfect, not ideal, not ideal, not ideal. Um, and so Element El, Rainy is just very lonely. Yeah, very lonely. Wants to die. Can't do it. She's like, my body just, I just like handles poison it can't do it yep i a gun doesn't really do anything yep i'm worried that if i tried to go to the epicenter of a nuclear blast i would just become irradiated forever and be even more alone than i am now yep yep um what if my superpower just made me sad and alone is you know it's the it's the like vampire who hates being immortal kind of thing and i I don't mean that to reduce what Gaiman has written here. It's just that that is the type of story that he's telling. Um, and so, you know, dream, dream, dream don't show up in this one. Cause there's nope. a whole nother, there's a whole nother one that do death and her name is death. Her name is death. Death is death is coming through doing something else. <laughs> there's a lady in the same apartment building who has died, who has died and rainy's apart, but rainy's door is open and death just wanders in and is like, Hey, I heard I couldn't help but hear that you wanted to die, and she isn't gonna do it though. Not in a like. She, death is kind of like I mean, I can't like just because you asked. Like that's not how it works. Yeah, they're like, and this is a continuing thing with the endless. Like they're gods and not they are the cause of these things, but also but also they're, not. Yeah, yeah, but also they're the. They exist because the things exist already. Yep. yep. It's complicated. There's like a monologue uh, that Rainy is like, I don't think I got all that where Death is talking about like all of the myriad places she is at any given moment where death is occurring, whether it be a small accident or a war or whatever. Um and she's just experiencing yeah, it. Yeah, I'm I'm in cars and boats and planes and hospitals and forests and abattoirs. <laughs> for some folks, death is a release, and for others, death is an abomination, a terrible thing. But in the end, I'm there for all of them. 
And Rainey's like, I don't know if I got that, but uh, you gonna help me? Mm-hmm. And in her way, Death does because she tells her a little bit more about Ra. Yeah, Death and, is like hint, 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 hint. And yes. this guy is still he's still working. Like, his, yeah, his main his main antagonist died, and he won't listen to me when I told him. <laughs> That the and the never ending battle between them has in fact ended. Uh huh. Um, and she's like, you know, but he's still around. So if you looked out your window, you could have a conversation. Yeah, you could talk to the talk to the sun god and just try and figure it out. And that's what she does. Yeah, and then she dies. Yep. And she seems happy to be released from her awful experience. Yeah. This and one this, was this one was fine. Of the it's, four, it's the, it was my definitely least the favorite. simplest. It's the, there's the least to talk about. There's a there's a very creepy little bit where, um, Rainey's like person at the agency who's been like cutting her checks, the company, mm. whatever it is that they call her, call uh, calls and tries to check on Rainey, and Death picks up the phone. It's like, hey, she's not here. She can't come to the phone right now. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't older, live here the anymore. Old, the old Rainy can't come to the phone right now. And then she says to the guy, be seeing you. Oh, no. Which is, yeah, she is. She is going to be seeing him. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Does this and have it's any? Not, it's not, she doesn't, it's, she's not relishing that. She's just like, yeah, see you, why see do you around. You, see you around, buddy. Why do you think, uh, is there stuff in this that is like, Breadcrummy, or is this just like a a vibes on death issue, Andrew? For you, it's vibes on death mostly. I think, and I've got to imagine that you know the the like cute goth girl death character was somebody that fans wanted more of, and somebody that maybe Gaiman wanted to do more with. Sure, no, even that you're really covering different ground with her in this than you did in that issue back in the first one where it's her and dream walking around and doing just like a day in the life of of death. You do get a little more of her personal touch in this one, I think, and and a little bit more of like how like dream she hesitates to directly intervene, but is also not above getting involved. I was just going to say, as you were talking, I, 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 figured out that this this feels like the rhythm of some of the dream interactions with people where like we focus on a non-endless for the bulk of the story and then they make some you know plea or they stumble into something or whatever and then the endless shows up and kind of does their thing and that, yeah. mm-hmm. that teaches us about the endless in a in a way that is not like we got to watch him go on a quest or we got to cuz like the previous death story is her walking around with with dreams so there's a lot the individual people that she's interacting with are way less important. Yeah, um, but then, but you also get to visualize that speech that she gives where she's everywhere. Yeah, like, that's true. For everybody true. no matter what they're doing. Yeah. You also get like a little bit I think dream and we're already kind of led to identified dream and death as like the most similar of the Oh, endless yeah, because we've sure. like seen them the most, but they're also the most like visually similar to yes. each other of all the ones that we've seen. Um, but we also like death does not come in 
and be all like, well, you want to die, do you? And now you could die forever. <laughs> like there's no, there's not a lot of the old Testament to, no. to death in this. Like she's as in the issue where it was dream and death together. She's, she's much more, um, I don't even know. I don't know if I'd say businesslike or like matter of fact, but she's, Frank? She's much more comfortable in her like role as like I'm death. This is what I do. Yeah, and she's not dis. She's not. Um, what is the opposite of compassionate? She's not cold about it. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not unfeeling about it. Yeah. Yes. Because she yes. does. She does decide to drop a bunch of hints to Rainy instead of just leaving her to her fate. Yeah. 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 She has. She has. Maybe empathy or something. No, she's doing her job, but she's not doing it with a like, you stupid idiots. It's time to die <laughs> now. Yeah. Just like when she says, be seeing you. Like, it's not, it's not a threat. It's not a, it's not something that she's eager to do. I guess. But it is, it is something that she's going to do and she knows she's going to do it. I guess so far we haven't seen death interact with like a real Richard Madoc, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Like, we haven't seen her interact with someone who needs that Old Testament business. Yeah. So, maybe we will, and we'll, well see how that goes. And sometimes, for those people, like, the the release of it is, is, is easier than, more, yeah, like, merciful yeah. than, than it is something that That's they, like, point. have coming to them. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this these are fun. It's, it, this, if you're, like, what are the vibes of... Sandman, I don't know if I want to commit to the full thing. This might not be a bad place to pick up to get some cool art and get some neat stories, but I don't know, yeah, I don't know if you would how it would land. Yeah, like just if you if you like that one with with Dream and Death walking around, if you like the Hobgadling one, like this is this this is operating in that vein. Yeah. And Gaiman just didn't have another big story to sandwich them all in between, so we get them all together here. No. He had to write this while he waited for his shipment of a muse to come in that he could put in his closet. Um, so yeah. I don't think I don't think Neil Gaiman did that stuff to amuse. I think we're just we're just joshing around here on our podcast. No. Yeah. I won't no. No. I mean the no. next time, uh, book four, season of mists. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if we're going to get back on track. I don't know what characters are going to come back. Yeah, we'll just have to read and find out. Don't take my word for it. Hey everybody, welcome to Sand By Me. It's a podcast from the boys at Overdue, a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name's Andrew. And this is our limited run, small release, small business Saturday podcast about <laughs> Neil Gaiman's The Sandman, one mm-hmm. volume at a time out of ten. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this, this is four. This is number four. <laughs> Of 10. Andrew, which one are we discussing on this episode? Season of Mists. And listen, if you try Google this one, if you try Google Sandman Season of Mists, you are going to get a lot of autofill about when does Sandman Season 2 come out? Oh. But once you get to of, it knows that you're asking about the book and not about a season of the Sandman television I was also having trouble Googling this one to read about it because I kept putting Seasons of Mist. Uh Uh-huh. 
just you know moving that just a small typo no it's one one season many, many mists. mists yes not multiple seasons say mist every time great okay uh-huh. so this is a departure from our previous episode in that it has a plot again yeah plots back <laughs> plots back baby. story arcs are back baby because <laughs> last time on sand by me we did uh dream country which was just a series of cute fun standalone stories mm-hmm. um and that's not some with implications is. for the like the bigger series long arc but all just little bites little nibbles little bite-sized nibble nibblings yes mm-hmm. and this is an eight-part comic with a full complete story these issues yeah and a prologue and an epilogue yeah Oof, we're spoiled <laughs> it, it was published first in uh single issue monthly in 1990 to 91 issues 21 to 28 mm-hmm. and it first appeared in hardback uh, 1992, with the Harlan Ellison introduction that's in here. Our edition also has a, another intro from Patton Oswalt. I don't think that was in the uh, original, but I could be mistaken. As I, as I recall, he spends a fair amount of his intro being like, I'm not quite sure why, why I'm here. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, his was written does, in 2018. So. Yes, but he does talk about, um, I think, just the... Um, the importance of this work to all kinds of like creative people and and uh, self-identified weirdos. Yes, basically. Yes. Yeah. The the and then he goes. We talked about this already, I think. But he goes on to to voice Matthew the Crow in the TV show. Yes, He's you mentioned good. that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Both both of the intros are you know you don't write a book you don't write an intro for something you don't like usually. Usually, I would be curious to read what it would be like if you. <laughs> If you wrote an intro for something you didn't like, though, yeah. Um, the only the closest thing I could think of is if if you were an author writing an introduction for one of your earlier works that you weren't crazy about anymore, yeah. but you did like recognize its place in your canon, so you had to write an intro about it. We did a whole month of those podcasts. We did do a whole. Oof, we did. We did, didn't yeah. we? We've been mm. we've been those artists, Andrew. We're we've podcast artists. artists. <laughs> it makes us sound like some some way. Sandwich artists. I'm gonna put some pepperoni on this podcast. What are you gonna do? Mm. Uh, just, just pack it with onions. As many onions <laughs> as it'll hold. Hope you don't just have bad. a meeting later. Oh, no. <laughs> this bad boy will hold so many onions. Um, I'll you just take that subway stink with you. <laughs> carry it around always. The list of of folks who worked on this series of issues, of course, all written by Neil Gaiman, um, Kelly Jones, Malcolm Jones the Third, Mike Dringenberg, Matt Wagner. Dick Giordano, George Pratt, P. Craig Russell. Um, of course, we're as we've said in previous episodes, this is the 30th anniversary edition that has some recolors that have happened. I mostly just want to shout out the fact that Dringenberg is responsible for the prologue and the epilogue, mm-hmm. which just have a very different pencil style. Like, all of the lines are very different in, in yeah. those two issues. Yeah. Um, which you get right away in the opening where it's like oh we are in the realm of destiny and everybody's looking kind of classical and wearing different clothes and they don't look as spiky and fun as they usually do mm-hmm. that kind of stuff yeah um, what do you want to say before we dive in andrew uh not 
I don't have a lot to say. There's not, I don't think there's anything to say about this, this volumes like publication history. I think by the time uh, you get to this point in the comic series, things are running pretty smoothly. And yeah. also same for when you're publishing the books, you're just publishing comics at this point. Yeah. It <laughs> Good seems, job. Seems Good like job they've everybody. ironed out the, like, how do we tell this story? What are we doing here? And this one feels very confident. Yeah. I, like, not that the other ones aren't there, but like no, but like just just having having pulled off the doll's house arc, having yeah. taken a break in the little vignette stories that we read for last week, he feels like he, he feels like he knows where he's going in this one. Yeah, he took a bit of a breather and he came back with something that he'd spent some time in the in the tool shed building. So, um, I don't know. This one kicks off with a family meeting, something everyone can relate meeting. to. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so okay, we've 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 met many, we've met several of the endless. We've yeah. heard mention of of a few others. Yes, but I think is this the first time we kind of get a, a full like rec, like catalog of all of them? Along and there's with, one like, missing descriptions but, and appearances. Yes, but this is yeah, this is the full like we are seeing them all at once. There's like a whole. There's a couple pages that are basically just character sheets for each. Yeah, of the them. comic just takes a break for a minute to be like yeah here's here's all the endless just to catch you all up yes um but so we have destiny who's a guy who lives in a big castle and looks at a book looks like a i don't know like a monk from age of empires <laughs> like <laughs> sure. a classic sort of hooded monkey kind of figure yeah. not monk monkey but like monkish monk yeah yes monk-esque and not like tony shalhoub but like a monk monkly a church yes monkly. yes um, and his deal is that he's got a big book that tells him what's going to happen. Like, Destiny is not out here uh, controlling you. Destiny's just kind of observing what's happening. Yeah, it's like, does he, do, is, does the book tell him what's going to happen? Or does he, is he like writing in the book? Or is he, it's other people who are wandering around Destiny's <laughs> garden, it'll say, you know, you'll, you'll go through all this maze, but then you'll get to the end and you'll look back and it was just a straight yeah. path all along. Yeah. And the book does a lot of like hand wavy mystery stuff about like whether destiny is cause or effect or like what is what his whole deal is he is not as he doesn't have as much of a personality as some of the other endless because he is he just kind of is yeah he's not an agent is he the, is he the oldest of all of them yeah yeah mm-hmm. okay um he gets a visit from the weird sisters right they yeah. they come by yeah and they're just like something's going to happen bye bye <laughs> <laughs> he's like well this is strange uh-huh and so he reads a little ahead and he uh decides to call a family meeting so all the endless are gonna show up um we're gonna see death we're gonna see dream uh despair and delirium and desire are gonna show uh-huh. up mm-hmm. delirium's the, the youngest one yeah okay um and we know from the previous books that desire seems to be like kind of poking at at dream yes yeah it takes a lot of pleasure in doing that it's very antagonistic and also everybody is just very like proto matrix uh leather bar (laughs) yeah (laughs) all the endless are very very uh early 90s in their in their cool 
modes of dress. They've all been listening to Nine Inch Nails since before you heard of Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like they they are the reason why, you know, <laughs> they're the reason why Nine Inch Nails exists. Yes, it's true. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, they also mentioned someone called The Prodigal, mm-hmm. and it is implied that that Endless walked off the job or went yeah. away or something. Yeah, just quit. And we don't talk about that again. No. Not this episode. It's a, it's a seems to be a sore spot hmm. for some people. Some some other characters bring up, like, what if you knew more information about that later? And Dream's like, meh. Yeah. No, he, Not he, for me. It's, Dream's basically like, it seems, it seems like he wants to be left alone. And I, <laughs> for some reason, identify strongly with that <laughs> as Dream of the Endless. So. Yeah. Um. And so this op- the like the inciting incident of this book is that they're all sitting around a table and Desire gets an opportunity to taunt Dream about the time that he took a mortal lover named Nada. Remember that little one-off yeah. story that we had? Mm-hmm. And when she didn't want to be immortal with him and took her own life, he sentenced her to hell. Yeah. Because that's the... the- power that he has i guess i guess <laughs> it's kind of unclear but yeah destiny is just like he's being very vague about it he's just like you're all here let's just talk let's just hang out it surely is, we have something to catch up it's on. like thanksgiving like we're here because oh, yeah. we have to be but not because uh, we have something specific to do yeah and, and it's not <laughs> i think and i think listen the the endless both influence and reflect the time that they all hey. live in. So if they are, if the endless are having a family meeting in 2023, I'm not sure which one is like the MAGA, the MAGA QAnon Facebook uncle. <laughs> I think it might be despair. I but think I mean, it might be despair. But it's hard to say. Or, yeah. I mean, delirium is the easy answer, but delirium has a lot going on. I feel like desire would be like, there's a third party out there. And it's, you know, if only you could have it, it'd mm-hmm. be better, wouldn't mm-hmm. it? <laughs> yang gang. <laughs> yes, desires big yang gang energy. <laughs> um, and so Morpheus gets all upset when desire calls him out for the whole lover thing. Mm-hmm. Steps out on the balcony. Mm-hmm. And, and then death comes out and is like, hey, I know you don't want to hear this, but desire's right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and he gets all kind of mad. And then that's like no, but really though. <laughs> yeah, and then and then dream is dream says okay. Well, I guess if I did something wrong, I have to go set it right now. I guess that is the like. Def- I guess <laughs> it's like the defining version of dream we see in this in this whole volume is one who's like, huh? I I have a responsibility. I guess I will follow through on it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make me happy to do it, but. Nope. I've got to got to do it. Yep. And it does contrast lightly with the endless who we know is not here. Like yep. and also with the 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 end of volume 1, that whole the, that sequence we've referred back to a few times where dream and death walk through just like a day in death's uh, yep. life, I yep. guess for lack of a better <laughs> word. Um yeah, death has like bring your little brother to work day, yep. and we just get to see everything that she goes around and does, and it reminds him that he does have a job to do, and it kind of gives him a renewed sense of purpose. Like we're still coasting off of 
yeah. that. Because I think it's been what, like two years since Yes, there's it's been he two... was imprisoned mm-hmm. since the beginning of the comic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I think probably means time is passing roughly as it was in real life, like as the issues were coming out. That's something that Gaiman does seem really interested in because of like the I'm thinking back to the the Hob Gadling stuff and like when yeah. those meetings occur. Um, he seems to be interested in being like mildly contemporaneous to to when the issues yeah. are coming. Yeah, because in in this one, he sees Hop Gadling again, and Hop Gadling's like, "Hey, we're not due to meet for nope. another ninety nine years. Yep. What's up? <laughs> What's going on?" Uh huh. Um. So Morbius leaves, and he's like, "I guess I got to get ready to go to hell." Uh, and. I think Death comes back and it's like, okay, so what are we doing here? And Destiny's like, you're good. <laughs> yeah, we did it. We Bye. Did it. <laughs> See you later. Clearly something is happening now. Um, good job, everyone. Go home. Uh, which is kind of strange. I kind of like that. Uh, and then more. This last panel in this oh, yeah. issue is just Death like fading backwards into darkness which i gotta imagine he does just all the time and that everybody you mean all destiny of sibl- destiny oh yes, yeah destiny sorry um yeah very like hooded and and already kind of swathed in shadow is just like fading back like homer into the bushes <laughs> and i bet all of his siblings are tired of that well because he's got the he's got that kind of we don't talk about bruno type precognition <laughs> where it's like is he causing as we said like is he causing things is he just reporting the news he yeah, doesn't he's got know that, he's got that return of return of bruno That's, he's <laughs> <laughs> man I, that's a mashup i would i would listen to we don't listen we don't talk we don't, about, the, we return don't talk about the return of bruno <laughs> um, but yeah the the, the unanswerable quality of destiny is really appealing and fun i do like that i think it's the beginning of the next issue um oh we we spend some time learning about how dope lucifer is for a little bit how powerful lucifer is and what is the deal in hell and just summing up that uh dream was down there did the the kind of rap battle with that demon to get his helmet back during the fetch quest comic yes um and yeah. then dream calls a dreaming wide press conference this has the energy of a politician <laughs> coming clean about an october surprise yeah right <laughs> yes i was on the appalachian trail <laughs> and i <laughs> did you i did want to pause real quick for yeah. lucian's library i don't know oh if you yeah took time yes, to yes, read please. the the book titles Oh yes, in, in his library. But there's a part of his library full of books that people like dreamed or thought about but never wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you've got uh, uh, the Lost Road by J.R.R. Tolkien. You've got another uh, Alice in Wonderland book. The uh, Return another... of Edwin Drood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the Conscience of Sherlock Holmes. Is Erasmus Arthur Fry the the guy from one of the? dream country stories uh maybe actually yeah i think the hand of glory is his yeah this this is yeah and lucian is his servant that we haven't seen in a little while right yeah 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 just one of the one of the one of the dream kind of uh lackeys cronies that's not quite the word (laughs) no one of his crew one of his crew yes employees um 
but and so they've been summoned and they think it's just them and then it's like no literally everyone in the dreaming that he has spent two years putting back together um he talks about how he had this love affair with a mortal woman who's now in hell he feels so bad and he's got to go down there and he doesn't know if he's coming back he doesn't really know what's gonna happen yeah and he's like, listen, I know that I was gone recently for a while and things kind of fell apart. And if that happens again, I'm going to get mad. Yep. <laughs> and he, he references like if, if he does not come back, another like aspect of dream will come back and it will be all of their jobs to like welcome him back. Like the, the, the way the dialogue is written makes it clear that. This would both be, it would be Dream of the Endless, but it wouldn't, it also wouldn't be the specific Dream of the Endless, yeah. which is a, just a thing that you should keep in the back of your brain. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, he says, um, if I am destroyed, another aspect of Dream will fill my shoes. I trust you all will make my reassumption of the role an easy one. Uh, if I am imprisoned in hell, then matters will be more difficult. I've made certain plans to cover this, which I would discuss with some of you individually before I leave. And he says, I do not want to see a repeat of what occurred the last time I was gone. Um, and then he dismisses everybody. Uh, and then he's got to go down there. He does, like, remind us that um, Lucifer is one of the most powerful beings <laughs> in existence. Yeah. And that Morpheus is only the, his most powerful when he's in the dreaming. That's a big part of the latter, like, chapters in this volume. Right. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be as he's not as powerful down in hell. He's still got he's still Lucifer. got stuff he can do, but he's not he's not on his home turf. Yeah, yeah. It's not like when the Phillies play at home. Literally, uh huh, uh huh. Yeah, it's like when the Phillies are away <laughs> at Houston. Well, whoops. <laughs> um, so he, but there's also like a like prot- they can still win, but it's, it's not <laughs> as easy. Um, there's like a protocol because he's like gonna tell lucifer that he's coming so he sends cain right yeah yeah cain slew abel that's how i always remember the difference between i don't know why that (laughs) phrase is in my head but that's how i remember which one is which so he sends cain as an envoy to lucifer to be like yo lord of dream is coming he's got something he wants to talk to you about and he sent Cain because Cain has the mark on his forehead that God did to him. Yeah, God put it on there. And God is like the only guy that Lucifer is really afraid of messing with. Yeah. But un- unlike the Simpsons, we don't get to see God. No, in, we do in not. The Sandman. Yeah. No. And, and does that we, hear hold... a lot, we hear a lot about him. <laughs> does that hold true through the rest of the, the series? I, I don't want to. I don't. Who mm. can say? Okay. Mm. Who can say? Who can say? Well, you could if you want. I could, to. but I won't. Okay. Who who will say? Not me. <laughs> no one here, I guess. It is like this whole volume is interested in religion and religious cosmology in a way that previous volumes have not been, which is fun. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just different. Mm-hmm. Um that like we yes, we knew Lucifer existed, we knew hell existed, but like God the creator is a real force in yeah. in this world. There mm-hmm. are angels. Anubis is real. Like we got what we got. Ra in the previous volume. Yeah, like we we've gotten little snippets of like other mythologies are are real. I think we we heard a little bit about some of the Greek gods too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
Um, but uh, yeah, and I don't, I don't, I my understanding of Sandman canon, or just like my my head canon for it, sure. maybe even is that. Like people, people are creating these beings and giving them power. And so, mm-hmm. if Lucifer mm-hmm. and God are like the two most powerful entities on Earth at this time, it it reflects the dominance of Christianity and sure. society. That makes sense to me more than it more than it does anything else. Yeah. But. Well, yes, that's that, and that maps to how the endless are discussed. I buy that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so Lucifer finds out that uh, Dream is coming. Um, and they tor- he just kind of tortures Kane for fun, um, but he doesn't do anything else. And then we get two quick scenes of Morpheus visiting people on Earth on his way down to hell. Andrew, who does he visit? Uh, he visits. So you might might remember remember from Doll's House. Yeah, there was that like goofy doofy Sandman and his <laughs> yes, wife light a right. hall uh-huh. who were living in like a weird dream bubble, and she was pregnant forever. Yeah. Uh, so she's back in the real world, and she's had this baby. The baby's like a week old. Who was conceived in a version of the dreaming. Yeah, who like gestated in the in the dreaming for a long time. Yeah. And Dream has like laid some claim to this baby, but we don't really know what the deal is. So Dream just like pops in to be like, hey, baby. <laughs> and also Lyda really doesn't like him because she thinks that he killed her husband, even though her husband was dead already. It's it's a it's a complicated thing, but she doesn't like him. He's like, hey, I'm just checking in on the baby. By the way, his name is Daniel. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Bye. Like the whole scene is set up where she doesn't know what she's going to name this baby. And then Morpheus is like, yo, name's Daniel. Bye. Yeah. And she's like, well, the worst person, the worst person, you know, just made a great point. <laughs> Uh, and then he swings by Hobbs' place, right? And he's like, yeah, hey, Hobbs. Hobbs' like head. After he goes and gets a really good bottle of Dream Wine, which I yeah, like. yeah, yeah. Um, and he brings it to Hobb, mm-hmm. and Hobbs like, I don't think this exists. He's like, in some- Hobbs, who's having a weird, some weird dream where, like, some like Elizabethan character is there, but also he has a computer. It's, I love it's it. The kind of dream that you would have if you were six hundred years old. Yep, it's pretty good. Um, and so he has some dream wine, um, with Hob and he's like, Hey, I don't know if I'm going to make our next meeting. Just wanted to say hi. Cause they're friends. Remember? And then Hob, yeah. Hob proposes a toast to absent friends, lost loves, old gods, and the season of mists. And may each and every one of us always give the devil his due. And then he's like, I don't know why I said any of that. I'm in a dream. Yeah. It makes it not as satisfying as it usually is when they say the name of the thing and the yeah. thing for me. Yeah, because yeah, he undercuts it a little bit. Usually, it's got to be some kind of like to really hit for me. It's got to be somebody kind of looking at the camera and being like, "Wow, this is really the season of mists." Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, we can always hope that it will. But happen like again. that, that notwithstanding, yeah. the story does continue. <laughs> um. We get some shots of Lucifer being like, man, I'm so glad that this guy is coming. I've oh, yeah. had a lot of feelings about hell recently. I've been waiting for this. But he doesn't he doesn't say to the audience, to the reader, what those feelings are, but he's got some got something cooking. He just says, This day looking very threatening. This day in hell, this day you shall all remember forever, and so shall he. He referring to Dream. Mm. 
which I, makes it sound like there's going to be a big scuffle. Big fight coming up is what mm-hmm. you think is going to happen. Yeah, boss fight. I do want to shout out this um, final panel where Dream puts on his mask and gets ready to leave to go to hell. And he's saying mm-hmm. goodbye to Lucian and everyone. Mm-hmm. When he's just kind of like sashaying out of the frame i do like that one a lot (laughs) i think it's supposed to be him like opening the portal yeah it's he's got his awesome mask on and he's saying goodbye lucian and it really is just like goodbye lucian (laughs) it's very fabulous the way that he's flourishing with his little webby (laughs) cape and his weird looking plague mask helmet yeah it's great um so then he flies down there uh, and we're in now we're in chapter two, volume mm-hmm. three, uh, issue three, I guess. And hell is not what he thought it would be, Andrew. It's pretty quiet down in hell. What gives? No yelling, no screaming. It's like when, it's like when you think a party is going to be on one day and you show up and nobody else is there. Nope. And because uh, you showed up on the wrong day. Somebody's just there in their socks watching TV, <laughs> mm-hmm. watching Big Brother on TV. Um and Morpheus is like looking around. He can't find Nada. He can't find any demons. Um, so he calls for Lucifer, who's like, "Hey, I'm What's shutting up? down hell." Yeah, hell's closed. It's closed for business. Closed yeah, time. I quit. I quit. There's this one guy named Breshow. <laughs> yeah. This one guy keeps yelling about how much he wants to be in hell, and I got to tell him to leave. Mm-hmm. And there's a few demons that I got to tell to leave. Yeah, he's just clearing out the the dregs. But dur- while during this sequence, we learn that hell is not exactly a place where you go for somebody else to punish you. It's kind of a place where you go to punish yourself. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. Which is what I mean. Like that's what is so interesting about that Breshow character, who's like I don't know, he's a monster of a man who did a bunch of terrible things to people, and he's like nailed to this rock and wants to be nailed to that rock forever and cry about it. And Lucifer's like, that was a long time ago, man. Nobody, nobody remembers nobody re- <laughs> Yeah, nobody remembers you, dude. You could go. Yeah. Uh, and he does go. Yeah. it does. It, if you are thinking about it through like a, a Dantean mm-hmm. lens, as I'm sure Gaiman is, because that's just the kind of thing that yep. he rolls with. Um, like hell was a place where eventually you'd like work your way out of, right? And you get up to like purgatory, and then no. you'd oh, okay. Not, once you got to purgatory, you yeah. could work your way yes. out of it. Okay, yes, never mind. Um, but there's the the but, frame it, but of it reference... is interesting to think of people like the only thing keeping people down there is like themselves. Yes, well, and that's mm-hmm. wrapped up too in um a little later in this issue where he talks about like. Yeah, I rebelled against God after I fell, and I thought it was something that I was doing for a reason, and I realized that it was just kind of part of his plan, and I was being a little stinker down here for my <laughs> own self. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, hell as a as a form of like self absorption and self flagellation, and yes, these demons will gladly stick stuff up your butt to make you cry, but like. This is just you. You are the reason you're down here, not because yes. there's like a mm-hmm. God saying you have to be. Yeah. And I guess Lucifer has come to this 
realization himself. And he's yep. like, you know what? I choose not to be down here anymore. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I do wish I had read... This is opening a can of worms for our podcast, Andrew. I do mm-hmm. wish I knew Paradise Lost at all. Sure. Um, because that is referenced in this at least once or twice. It does. I wish that I'd watched the TV show Lucifer, which apparently mm. canonically is a Sandman spinoff. And yes. I am not I'm not telling a joke. No, yeah. <laughs> um there's an at, at the end of this issue when he officially leaves hell. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the jumping off point for a seven-year spin-off comic written by Mike Carey that then became a TV show, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and the pitch for the TV show is literally the devil solves crimes. And this is during the that <laughs> this is this is during that golden age of and and longtime listeners will know of my love for bones. The golden oh, yeah. age of like one cop, one goofball like unlikely crime solving duos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you see the ads for Lucifer and you're like, wow, this, this might be the bottom of the barrel. And it, it was in no way the bottom of the barrel, but <laughs> everybody who's actually watched Lucifer is like, yeah, this show actually whiffs. I, I've never so heard I, bad I need things to, about I need it. to start watching Lucifer. <laughs> Do you know if it's like zany in a, um, is it zany? I don't know if it's anything like bones. It's like lightly zany. Okay. There are there are streaks of zaniness on a scale from bones to Riverdale. To Law and Order, like how much of a sense of humor does it have about it? Oh, I was gonna say Law and Order to Riverdale, like the highs and lows of American football. Oh God, like Riverdale. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Riverdale is off the scale somewhere. <laughs> um, but so we get this fun tour of hell because not only Lucifer can't just leave; he does literally have to go around and like lock a bunch of. He has to lock the gates. Yeah. Uh, and so we get these like fun, different images of hell where Morpheus is like, I didn't even realize this is really big. Yeah. Um, the shot, I think, um, Patton Oswalt calls it out the shot where he's going through his office, Andrew, Mm -hmm. and there's just like a house plant and a lamp (laughs) and a computer (laughs) and he's like, he's got his angel wings and he's wearing a loincloth kind of little toga thing. Yeah. And he, but he's got one of those like on his desk, he's got one of those like accountant lamps mm-hmm. and a gamer chair. And you're just like, what is this? Gamer what is this room that he's in? It's Lucifer great. would have a bunch of like RGB stuff all oh over his God, he totally yeah. would, except it'd all be red all the time. Yeah, just red. No GB, just R. <laughs> um, and this is him explaining that he realized, you know, he realized he could never be an angel. He was never going to, you know, the point was to be far away from heaven. Um, I'm done here. And he needs Morpheus to do two things. Cut off his wings mm-hmm. and take the key to hell. And eventually, listen, every, eventually everybody who drinks a Red Bull needs somebody to come and cut their wings off. Because <laughs> you can't just live your life with wings. It's uncomfortable. You have to and do shirts it. Don't, and shirts don't fit. Literally after each Red Bull that you drink, you have to mm-hmm. cut the wing because Red Bull does give you wings. It gives you wings each time. Yeah. Um, and so Morpheus does it because this is a whole book about people being like, hey, Morpheus, I need you to do something. And he goes, OK. Well, I think Morpheus is low key glad not to have to have girded for a boss fight and then to not have to do a boss fight. Yes. And I think we've all we've all played that section of a video game. Oh, yeah. 
where the story is a cutscene instead. Yes, where it's a cutscene instead. <laughs> and and in this cutscene, <laughs> Dream cuts Lucifer's wings off, and Lucifer gives him the key to hell and says, This is your problem now. In this economy, good luck. <laughs> you seen the Zestimate for hell? It's not great. <laughs> the he, neighborhood is bad. And he, he, what does he say? He says, I, I swore once that I would destroy you, did I not? Uh, perhaps this key will destroy you, perhaps it won't, but I doubt it will make your life any easier. Uh, and he call, refers to him as the sole monarch of a locked and empty hell. Uh, and so the two complications here are, now Morpheus has the keys to hell, mm-hmm. and he doesn't know where Nada is. She is yeah. gone because Lucifer kicked everybody out. She yes. could be anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, like, immortal... Supernatural being Twitter lights up with the news that hell is available to purchase. Yep. Hell is on the market. <laughs> Zillow. And it's a buyer's market. Cosmic Zillow, the listing, has gone up. And we get this fun, like, montage of characters from a bunch of different mythologies and Gaiman's brain. Yeah, you've got Norse gods, you've got the the gods of like order and chaos. Yep. Um you've got uh some Egyptian Egyptians. gods. You've got one uh what is it's a Japanese guy? It's Japanese. So let, yeah, we got um And then you've got some and then you've got like three peons, peon demons. Yep. Who used to live in hell being like this is our house and we're going to ask we're, we're going to take it back. Wow, and it I really just like how a lot of the individual characters are rolled out like the in particular i think the rollout of the norse folks where it's like odin wants hell so that he can hide out from ragnarok he brings thor who's just a big hairy guy and he pulls loki out of his prison in the earth where a like snake like spits on him all day (laughs) yeah drips venom into his eyes gross all day um, Anubis, best Loki's boss. A, Loki's a bad dude. I don't yeah. know if you've seen those movies. Mm. Loki seems like a bad dude. Well, but have you seen the later movies where he's also a good dude? I have not seen those. He's because he comes around. Okay. He's so charming. I need a yeah. I need a face turn for the trickster god. Yeah. Uh huh. She whiz. <laughs> um, we get Anubis, best boss from Egypt. Um, Sus- Susanoo no Makoto is the Japanese. Uh, trick kind of he's not a trickster god i was reading about him impudent impudent is the word that i saw Ooh, a lot impudent he's a little got a little poltergeist energy. um he is a the younger puckish, brother puckish trickster yes boy. uh he's the younger brother of the sun god um amaterasu or sun goddess amaterasu um and he's like Ooh, what if i got this new underworld for my fam uh and then <laughs> Azazel is the like the space of teeth. Yeah, he's like the 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 vortex of mouths. Yes, and then he's got a couple. It's a couple sidekicks. He's got uh, <laughs> uh, the Merkin, she whose womb spawns spiders, and then also uh, Karanzon, the two mouthed oh yes. boy who Morpheus had the rap battle with. Yes. Um, and oh, and they, also they have Nada. They have Nada, which is important. Um, the the god of order, Kilderkin, who is first represented as like computer text, is a cardboard box carried by a genie. Yeah, because a cardboard box is the the very physical manifestation of order. Yeah, 
Okay. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and there's Chaos, a.k.a. Shivering Jemmy, who is a child. Yes. Shivering Jemmy of the Shallow Brigade. Yes. Who's just like, they're just, Gaiman's just kind of doing Delirium again, and we're going to let him. We're, I'm, I'm going to allow it. Sure. Because we haven't gotten a ton of Delirium yet, but it is just kind of the same okay. vibe. Yeah, yeah. A little bit. Um, there are two envoys from the Fairy Kingdom um, with Titania and Oberon. So Clurican and Nuala. Mm-hmm. Um, Nuala will wind up being a gift from Titania that Dream has to accept. And you got a couple angels who are like from, uh, not from heaven. But from some other cool but from place. Like a, from like a second party studio that is closely <laughs> affiliated with heaven. It's like the, the HAL laboratory. Of, <laughs> if heaven is Nintendo, then the place that Remuel and Duma are from is is like HAL. It's HAL and Game Freak. Yeah. yeah it's Game Freak. <laughs> uh, Duma and Ramiel. Um, Duma, they are both from, um, y- you know, Yiddish and rabbinic texts. Uh, Duma is an is an angel of silence, um, who also is an angel of death. Uh, and then Ramiel is what is called a, a watcher angel from the apocryphal Book of Enoch. Um, so, like again, I was just Nucky, I, Book of Nucky. Not yeah. The book. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't ready. I, not that I needed to be ready for it, but I was just like pleasantly surprised by how like deep this book was going into a, a very broad but specific cosmology. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm like, I, I'm expecting like stuff like, oh, here are all the endless. Let me tell you about them. I wasn't as I wasn't expecting like, let me do my take on Thor. Let me do my take on this Japanese god, you know, like. Kind of neat. And if the, if if there is one thing that is underrepresented, both in the depiction of like God and Lucifer, and then also these envoys, which is maybe is just like a, like dating it to the '90s mm. a little bit, like it's a it's a '90s work by an American author. Not a lot of uh, acknowledgement of like Muslims. Nope, not at all. Or Islam at all. Yeah, I thought that like uh, the inclusion of Susano Nomakoto was a like a welcome addition yeah it's cool it, um, it does like there is a nod to non-western religions existing in yeah. any form at all <laughs> but, but yeah yeah he created he he like rather than bring that in he was like what if uh the concept of order and the concept of chaos well and me and, and listen it's entirely possible that gaiman was like just looking around at what tends to happen when cartoonists choose yeah. to depict Muhammad and was like, you know what? I th- I think yeah, that's I'm fair. just going to I'm just going to write around. That that's fair. One. That's a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> um so uh there's a lot of uh, like Hindu gods he could have portrayed as well. Mm-hmm. Could have been neat. Um mm-hmm. but so just get the Buddha here. Just the just god, the, the man himself. <laughs> what if Buddha was here? It's like I want hell just to be a chill chill man cave yeah that everybody can hang out in why isn't santa claus here that's a good question and i think that if neil gaiman had seen the the clauses the tv I, version that's of what the I'm santa saying. claus movies i think that he would have had a lot to tooth fairy easter bunny yeah okay cupid <laughs> um so so it, all... is, it is funny that you don't like you see all of the 
like the big religious figures, but you don't see like the pretend. Well, and if to the, go the pretend with, avatars of yeah, <laughs> to go with your theory, Andrew, about like you know what our our belief in these characters is what breathes life into them uh-huh. cosmically. Like, where is uh, Ronald McDonald? Like, where you know, like, where's the Burger King? Where's the Burger King? Are North Pole Santa and Coca Cola Santa so differentiated that they're different entities at this point? I, I don't love, know. Yeah, interesting. These are the questions. Where's Mickey Mouse? To, where's the Where's the Noid? I don't know. <laughs> you have to avoid him. Even Morpheus <laughs> has to avoid the Noid. Uh, so all these people are like, "Oh, we have our own reasons for wanting hell." The the angels don't want hell. They're just sent there to be witnesses. The fairies don't want hell. Uh, the fairy kingdom's opinion is that no one should own hell. Yeah, it should it should stay closed because then they won't have to send like tribute. Yeah, of, like a sacri- like people there anymore. Yeah, um, and Morpheus is like, okay, everyone, my mansion's open. I'm gonna throw a big party, and you can plead your case. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that happens before he quickly skypes with Death in his mirror, and Death is like, um, <laughs> things are bad. I'm busy because hell's closed and all those people went somewhere else. (laughs) Yeah, that's bad. And then we get a little like almost it's not I wouldn't quite categorize it as a one shot because it is related. But you do just like a little slice of something that's happening in the world because hell is closed. It it is a very um, big outlandish supernatural volume. Um, and you're right. Like, I think this helps to be like, okay, yeah, but what is happening on earth again? If, mm-hmm. if a lot of what is interesting about Morpheus is how he interacts with mortals, like let's ground ourselves. Yeah. And we've, we've seen this in other issues too, is like what, what happens when, uh, John D has that Ruby. Yeah. He's like yes. playing havoc with everyone's dreams. What happens when, uh, Rose Walker, this like dream vortex is, mm-hmm breaking down the barriers between everyone's dreams like what are the real world impacts of that so it's another little version of that i think so this is a boy named charles roland and it starts with a real like 90s movie setup where he's like at a boarding school yes i'm in a boarding school because my parents decided several years too late that they didn't actually want yep um and then his dad is in the military this is also a 90s thing, and his dad has been kidnapped by Saddam Hussein. I mean, so, it just happened all the time back then. Only 90s kids will remember <laughs> getting your dad kidnapped by Saddam. So he can't go home for the holidays because his dad is a prisoner of war in Iraq. Um, and so he has to stay there with the headmaster. He's literally the only boy there until, oops, no, he's not. Who's there, Andrew? Yeah, I don't like to for the sake of brevity, I don't think yeah. we need to go like totally blow by boat. But you start seeing all these like ghosts of previous occupants of this boarding school. And evil because headmaster. it's a, Yeah, evil headmaster, evil students. And because it's a boarding school and everybody who's here is like, I guess, secretly here because their families don't actually care for them. I think it's also because they, they like they yeah. died there. They died. The yes, they they died there. They they are they are ghosts, entities, whatever. Uh, so they're all wandering the halls of this boarding school, and stuff's getting bad. And then 
he dies. He makes a friend with a nice ghost. Who he's got like he's haunted by the bullies. He's haunted by some bully ghosts for a while, and then he goes to hide from them, and then he just dies. He just starves to death. Yeah, because anybody's... because the yeah the only pe- the only adults there have been like the head the headmaster of the school. Like his mom comes back to life, yeah. and then he's just baby yeah. for the rest of the time. <laughs> she just negs him into being baby. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then a ghost headmaster takes over, and everything's bad. Yeah. Um, so Charles and the other boy, they just decide to leave. They're both dead, and they decide to like struck out. They're gonna f- see what life has to offer. Um, apparently, these characters show up in other crossover stories that Gaiman worked on in something called mm-hmm. the Children's Crusade. It's not even kids who I'm. I'm just like looking through the pages now. It's not even kids who died at the school. It's kids who like went to the school and also died. Like you get that. You get a big uh, tombstone. With a uh, uh, quote, those boys from St. Hilarion's who laid down their lives in the great. Oh, war. yeah. Yeah. So like you, you, some of the bullies talk about like dying in a trench. In, in You're right. World yep. War One or whatever. Right. But yeah, like th- their souls are the most uh, like anchored to this boarding school. Yeah. It, what is worth just saying about this issue within the volume overall is that like like a lot of what we've encountered already, Gaiman resists the urge to do like a montage of the of hell being open and dead people just showing up everywhere he would rather give you a compelling character that you care about and then have their world get flipped turned upside down by the monstrous thing that's happening and Mm -hmm. that, that is how you understand the impact of lucifer closing hell and the stakes that uh, Morpheus's decision will have. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just a smart way to do it. That is, you know, yeah, like hell. Hell exists for a reason. It's because all these people gotta go somewhere. Apparently, it's part of God's plan. <laughs> yep. Thanks, God. Um. So then, then there's the part of the part. Like, there's like some scenes where the different people are interacting at the party. Um. But the main thing is that, like, he's like, okay, I'm, each of you gets to come to my room. And like pitch me on why you should get hell. They're doing your favorite thing in the entire world, which is they all get to go to Morpheus and give the elevator pitch about why they should be the ones who own hell. It's true. I love it. Um, you know, some of them offer like information. Okay, so like Odin is like, hey, I built this tiny version of the universe. Yeah, and it has like part of you in it. Yeah. So then that don't doesn't Did, that do you seem want cool? It? Do you want it? I like it. I like <laughs> that he built a little universe that he can see the apocalypse in. He built a little sim to like the one that we're all living <laughs> yeah, in. It's true. To to simulate Ragnarok. The, just the, to like learn more about the it. The universe is in Orion's belt, that kind of thing. Um the Egyptian gods are like, hey, we have information on your missing brother. If you want it. Yeah, don't you want that? Um Bass is like Hey, I'm a cat lady, and I can tell you everything that all the cats see. And cats are everywhere. So, like, doesn't that seem cool? Mm. <laughs> um, he really seems to like Susano Onomakoto, but I don't know that his pitch is pr- his pitch is just like, "Hey, my family could use this cool new underworld." That's what we yeah. do with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Azazel offers Nada. Also offers that demon with the two mouths. Yeah. 
Um, Order offers dreams of the newly dead, and Morpheus is like, if I wanted that, I'd get it. I'm dream. (laughs) Uh, What is Shivering Jemmy is a messy bitch who's like, hey. She just basically threatens him and says, if you don't give it to us, I'll I'll haunt you and your children and your children's children. And he's like, okay, Mm -hmm. good try. Uh, give us the hell of Lucifer, Morpheus, or the entire host of chaos will be at your throat until the end of time, from the Shivering Brigade to the Laughing Dancers, all of us. And then he says, okay, cool, and she like leaves him a balloon, which he gives mm-hmm. to Matthew, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, and then Clericon is like, hey... You could do Titania might be mad if you don't do what Titania wants. Also, you gotta keep this lady that I brought. Yeah, she's a gift. She doesn't like it. She's a gift to you, my sister. Nuala. Nuala is not happy about that. No. Uh and then the angels um the angels make a uh make a pit well, God makes a pitch through the angels, Andrew. God is just like, I we have squatters right. <laughs> <laughs> this is part of our this is part of our uh cosmology and I think that we should have it. And and only people that I like specifically work for me can run it and that's the law. And then as as the angels are conveying this yeah from yeah. God, they learn oh, he I, he wants me to be the boss. Yep. Of hell. I like that they kind of speed run a little Lucifer where they're like, well, then I will rebel <laughs> against God. Yeah. He, he goes from, I did nothing wrong. What did I do to deserve this? Oh, I'm going to instantly prove why I deserve it. Yep. It's pretty good. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and Morpheus is like, well, I guess I can't argue with that. So I'm giving. Well, Mor- the- I mean, Morpheus gives the key to Duma, who says nothing. That's then- true. That's true. Uh, Remiel's like, well, if Duma's going to go down, I guess I have to. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I cannot allow my fellow to drink from the cup that I have refused. I do like the angels. They're interesting. Yeah, they're kind of neat. And they talk in cursive. They t- well, that's it's, uh, makes me have to focus a little bit more. <laughs> <as I'm reading. laughs> um, and he's like, okay, well, that's probably what we're going to do then. Um so he kind of was like, hey, everybody, you can hang out for a little bit more, but you're not getting hell. I do. We haven't really remarked on it. The book does literally refer to hell as real estate, which I do just yeah. think mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but no one else is going to get it. People start- everybody, every even though people were very threatening, most most of the people who came kind of get it. Like, yeah. yeah, I guess this is Christian hell. So it makes sense that it stays in the family. <laughs> So to speak, well, like we it, can't, we can't, we're disappointed in your decision, but we can't hold it against you. What, what's fun to me about it is that, like, the land rush that is happening because this this type of thing never happens. Mm-hmm. These are eternal. Yeah, beings. when's the last time you think hell came on the market? Like, probably <laughs> never. These, these are eternal beings for whom, like, their existence is mostly the same thing mm-hmm. for millennia at a time yeah and many of them if we are to to believe previous sandman volumes don't have as much to do as maybe they did yeah true a few millennia ago that's a good point Mm -hmm. um and so the the excitement that there's a there's a new house to go tour and Uh. maybe put an offer in 
Yeah, like let's just go to the open house and just look around. It's just it's really fun, and and that the you know, similar to how Morpheus and Lucifer don't wind up having like a a supernatural showdown. Like uh-huh. this is just a lot of interesting characters, a lot of interesting scenes, and then God comes in and is like no. There's no you keep you keep expecting there to be some kind of big Dragon Ball yep. Z fight yep nope. in this volume and it keeps not happening and it's always which is not which I, I the way I described it makes it sound really disappointing but it's not that's not how it plays out no I was gonna say comic. like whenever you think it might go to that because it's a comic it's these you know these very powerful beings it's very satisfying every time Gaiman goes the other direction yeah and like maybe if you're a maybe if you're a kid and you're reading this. Oh come well, on! Wh- one, it's like there's a lot of boobs in this. <laughs> Some of the like, where, boobs where are your, have mouths. Where are your parents? There's, and, a, there's a demon two, in hell whose boobs have mouths. Yes, and and two, you're just like, why is every, everybody's talking? Somebody punch somebody. Yeah, that's <laughs> somebody true. Somebody shoot lasers at somebody. What's the, why is everybody just talking? I like the talking. I like the, I like the talking too. I'm just cause I'm I'm your cosplay. Ima- I'm imagining. <laughs> I'm cosplaying a small boy who's reading Sandman. Speaking of cosplaying. And being like, where's Iron Man? Spe- Not understanding the difference between DC and Marvel, I guess. Like two Marvel movie references in this mm-hmm. podcast. That's a mm-hmm. lot for us. Yeah. Um, speaking of cosplaying, Loki tries to sneak out. Well, we didn't We didn't do the Nada and Azazel. Oh, you want to do you do that one first? Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, well, dang. Because Azazel yes. is like, yeah, I I actually, not all these other people threatened you, but they didn't mean it. I meant it. And Dream is like, hey, you're in my house. Yes. Uh, I I win. I have all the and power. And just like, and seals Azazel in one of those little capsules like you get out of the quarter machines at the... At the at the grocery store, Azazel's a homie now. Yeah, he's a, he's a homie. He's one of those like uh, slap hands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets put in a drawer with like the Corinthians skull and a bunch of other little things. That's a that's a nice panel. That all of the panels actually preceding that, I really really like where he yeah. is going into Azazel, like reaching into the teeth, into them, into the teeth. I'll follow you into the teeth. Freeing the demon, freeing Nada. Um, that stuff is very cool. Um, so then we get like a couple of different ending sequences. Um, one is Loki trying to sneak out um, as Susanoo no Makoto. Uh-huh. And Dream is like, good try. Uh, you were oddly too reverent to me. <laughs> Yeah, and if um, I, if, and I listen, if I I don't have to send you back down to snake prison, but if I don't, you owe me, right? Yep, yep. Um, and they yeah. send. He says, "I we will put a dream version of you down there." Yeah, which is kind of neat. Yeah, um, we you get might be a, talking to a dream version of me right now. You don't know. There's no way to know. Well, am I? We're all we're all just living in in <laughs> uh, Thor's little yep universe ball out here. <laughs> Um, we get a scene. Odin, 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 Odin. Yeah. Ball, yes. We get a scene with Lucifer hanging out on an Australian beach, and a widower convinces him that sunsets are cool. Like that's, yeah. that's. He's like, and he makes his peace with like, oh, God made the sunset. Oh, good. Yeah, job. he's like, he, he basically like, gotta give, gotta give your props, God. Yep. It's good, <laughs> good sunset. Um, and then we have the. The conclusion of the Nada arc, Andrew. What happens with uh, Dream and Nada? Dream gives a really bad 
I'm sorry if you were offended. Oh type God, apologies. he does. <laughs> it's very bad. He says, "I should apologize to you." Yeah. Mm-hmm. She flips and out. She is. Yeah, she's not happy about that. But then they talk a little bit more and ag- agree that you know they both love each other, but things have not changed. Nope. Between them, she does not want to be a god. He he is sorry that he sent her to hell so he can't like do that again Mm-mm. so he kind of just has to let her go yep but and she does, gets and she becomes a, and now she's baby he does let her become baby in Hong like Kong. literally baby not like a figurative baby no she he he goes to a hospital and says uh what's up you cool baby to yeah. her as a baby yes mm-hmm. um so she gets she gets another run at life i guess in exchange for the life that he kind of sort of took from her in a yeah. way and also you know like the ten thousand years of punishment yes, yes those two things unclear what i don't think that i i presume we're supposed to get that maybe she won't remember anything but who knows yeah who knows what little things she might uh, who knows what she might dream is yeah that's the, a good point the that's a good point uh, and then we get what, like that little closing scene uh, with Duma and Remiol, like, yeah, sort of reforming hell, but wow. also making it worse by accident. <laughs> and so is hell still hell, even with angels running it? Yeah, the thing that they have decided. So they brought all the demons back, and they also let all the all the sinners back in, and they're like, this isn't just going to be punishment. We're going to redeem you uh-huh. because we love you. Uh-huh. And th- there's some narration that is like, they don't understand that that makes it worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if, I don't know how hell will factor into the future. They do, this is two volumes now where we've been there. I presume it might come back. We'll have to see. Who knows? Um, I presume. Again, me, but I'm not going to say anything. I presume Loki will come back. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't you don't get a you owe me, you know, like when a, when a gun owes you in the first act, it always comes back to repay the favor in the third act. So guns always pay their debts. That's mm-hmm. uh, what George R. R. Martin used to say. Uh-huh. Um, and then maybe, yeah, maybe we'll hear from Nada. I don't know if we I don't know that the, the broader story needs to deal with the ramifications of oh all the dead came back no i think we just get we we're left to understand it through like the things that death says and then that little bit that we see at the boarding school yeah and then it's and it's like okay that that happened it was weird and now it's done yeah it seems like yeah okay mm-hmm. um so yeah i don't know what could happen next. what's kind of neat is like Obviously, there's endless stuff that can always happen. Yeah, and you and you see stuff getting set up. Yeah, um, and like yeah, there there are a few characters who you meet in here. Like Lucifer's just running around the world now. Uh, Loki's out, and he owes Dream. So that's a thing. I guess what I guess what I'm trying uh, to you've say. You've got the little little bit of like light of hall. Like there's you know there's just like there there are things. There are yeah, things I, I guess what I'm saying is like. To all of those points, Andrew, I don't know exactly what is getting set up. Like, I can't, no. like, what is fun about... You can see it happening, but you don't know what it's going to be. Yeah, and I don't know when any of these threads will come back specifically either. It's, like, what is mm-hmm. neat about it is it, it is not, um, it doesn't have a, like, linear drive that I can see 
where it's like, oh, well, of course they're going to come back to deal with this plot thing and blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. Um, he's demonstrated that, oh, I can do a self-contained story arc and th- that will be very satisfying and like I'll rope in whoever is interesting when I need to. Sure. Um, yeah. And it's a, and like we said, it's a story about you, responsibilities. <laughs> here's, a, here's a really cool, inventive, supernatural, cos- cosmic comic about whether or not you should do your job. Yeah. And what you owe people. Yeah. And you, I guess you should do your job. If your job's important. Well, and you should apologize to people that you sent to hell for 10,000 years. Yeah, you should do that, too. It's not nice to send people. It doesn't matter what they did to you. It's not nice to send people to hell for 10,000. Well, you know, I will not take that back. Yep. There's probably something you could do to get sent to yep. hell for 10,000 years and deserve it. But we not did read Dante's Inferno. Yeah, not it not didn't deserve it. No, not it did not. No. Um, well, cool. Next time, we will talk about a game of you. A game of me? Did Nintendo name this? Is this the Wii of Vol? What did, is? What are they saying here? Time Magazine in two thousand six <laughs> or whatever named this. I'm the person of the year. Okay. Okay. Um, excited to find out how I fa- how I factor into yes. the next volume yes. of the a, Sandman. A game of me. A game in me. Mm-hmm. Get it? Yeah. No, it's good. It's good wordplay. Thank you. Um, this has been, uh, another episode of sand by me. You can let us know what you think about the Sandman. Send us an email overdue pod at gmail.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever at overdue pod. Uh, Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where should they go? Overduepodcast.com is the realm where we're at our most powerful. It's the place where we have links to the books that we have read and the ones that we are going to read. Patreon.com slash overduepod is where you can support the show, get these episodes early, uh, months early in, in some cases. Yeah. I think we're just about to post our first, as we record this in like mid-March, we're just about to post our first Stand By Me to the main feed. Yeah. You could have been listening this whole time. It's true. I need to break it to you. Yep. Uh, Patreon.com slash pod. You also can get into our Discord and, and get other bonus episodes early. Sit in on bonus recordings. Uh, see, Weigh in on like, the schedule. You see like pictures of our kids sometimes. Yeah. Uh, you know, perks. <laughs> <laughs> you know what uh, they say, Andrew, at the end of every episode of Stand By Me. Yeah, sweet dreams, baby. Baby, baby. Thanks for listening, everyone. You know the email. It's overduepod at gmail. You know the handles. These are the patrons that we're thanking. Andrew, what do you got to say to him? I'm a little kitty. Meow, meow. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can I have some cream? Hitting stop. <laughs> okay. <laughs>